Hey everybody, welcome to Leaders Call to Adventure, the show for those who take the road less traveled. I'm Lori Ference. This episode features a conversation with Holly C. Holly and I met at a marketing conference for entrepreneurs in San Francisco back in 2011. She'd been on a healing journey, bringing her body back into balance after leaving a career in Silicon Valley. She launched a business after the conference and later that year would become a guest on my telesummit, which was really the start of Leaders Call to Adventure. In our latest interview, we reflect on the trajectory Holly's work has taken since the telesummit. Basically, she utilized the experience she gained from her internet career and knowledge gained from healing herself to create an online platform that receives millions of page views. She also became a Hay House author. Not bad. Her book is Soul Guidance, Ancient Secrets of Chinese Reflexology to Heal the Body, Mind, and Spirit. How did she do all this? Well, she followed her heart. Listen in and find out the details. Thanks, Holly, for being here. It's really, really awesome to have you. Yeah, thanks, Lori. It's great to talk to you, too. And thanks so much for creating this opportunity for us to kind of circle back and look back and just see what changes have been going on. Because I think, like with myself, and I'm sure with a lot of people listening, we have a tendency to remember the inconsequential irritants or bad things that happen. We don't celebrate our success as much or really appreciate what we have accomplished. So this is a great opportunity. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree, especially for, you know, these high high achieving types, right? So (laughs) it's always pretty high and uh, it's always what didn't I get instead of all the things that I did do, right? So exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So perhaps you can tell us a bit about what was happening for you five years ago. I remember that you were coaching and consulting other spiritual entrepreneurs as a dragon spirit guide and offering courses to help them in their businesses. Uh, Yeah, tell us more about that time. Yeah, sure. Well, the first thing that immediately comes to mind was that I was a full-time mom, and I guess my son at the time was two years old. So I'm still a full-time mom, but obviously my son is older now, and I have a little more time to myself. But I remember I was still quite fresh from having quit my job working in high tech. You know, I just wasn't following my heart, so it had affected my health. And then I had quit, and then I was pretty much, uh, you know, had recovered my health, but I was deciding at that time to focus on my son, but I was also trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do with my life now that I had given myself permission to follow my heart. Uh, I had been so used to not following it. I was like, well, what am I going to do now? So I kind of just tried a whole bunch of different things. So you mentioned about Dragon Spirit, which I discovered that um, at that conference that we went to that I could channel, basically the best way to describe it is channel the universe or really tune into my own higher guidance, you know, not just kind of getting a little bit of intuition, but really listening and getting very clear direction on what I should do and with my life and what I should follow. An interesting thing too was 
people kind of think like, okay, I'm going to find out my life purpose and then I'm going to go follow it. And it's a little bit reversed of that where you just start following the next steps showing in front of you and then your life purpose is revealed to you. So I remember at the time I was following this being able to channel what I call dragon spirit, which is basically a really cool way of saying your inner guidance. And I was guided to call it dragon spirit just because it evokes that sense of, um, I guess, sense of adventure and exploration. And it's something that when we think of our intuition, especially if you're really uh, mind oriented and analytical, you tend to overthink about your intuition and, it can be kind of like a serious thing, you know, to get in touch with your spiritual side, whereas dragon spirit is fun and adventure and energy. So I started doing that. And then I also had this Chinese reflexology website, which I believe I started pretty close to around the same time. And I was also, you know, having worked in the internet industry for 10 years, and I was meeting all these uh, spiritual entrepreneurs and women who wanted to make a difference, thinking, oh, maybe I should be helping with them with their website. So I kind of had these three things going on. And interestingly, you know, looking back, it seems so clear how I could meld them all together. But at the time, I had no clue. So it kind of took me a while to, you know, do the dragon spirit, kind of have the reflexology website, and then teach people about websites too, and and be a full-time mom. And really what I was doing was, uh, in some ways, I was spreading my energy and not having focus. But in other ways, it was like the perfect path, you know, even though it was three prongs, the perfect path for me to follow at that time, because eventually they all merged again, you know, kind of like when you go hiking and the trail splits, but, and then you wonder, should I go there or there? But really, if you look at the map, it just kind of, they zigzag and then eventually they meet up again. Mm-hmm. So for anyone listening, I mean, if you're still trying to figure things out, just trust that you're actually on the right path, even though you might not know right now, but it's again, using that sort of hiking analogy. When you finish that trail and you step back, you can look and you can see the whole forest. But when you're walking on that rocky mountain face, you kind of have to pay attention to just the rocks in front of you. But then when you get to the top, you're like, oh, I see the whole view now. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the same thing for me where I had always been drawn to healing. So it took me a couple more years to sort of have the paths join again. So I started to bring in elements of dragon spirit, which is basically tuning into your intuition uh, to understand what's going on in your body from like the emotional roots behind disease and illness. And then really taking all that website experience I had and applying it to the site that I was most passionate about, which was the Chinese reflexology, like helping people heal themselves and get control over their health and well-being. And then everything then just kind of, uh, I guess, spiraled or took off from there. Yeah. Where I think yeah. that's interesting. I mean, for you, it's sequential, and you can see it in retrospect now. But yeah. in the process of that, what was it like for you when you were focusing on the website with the online marketing sort of stuff, and then you had all these interests split? What was it that made you decide, okay, this is just going to fall away. I'm going to focus on using this skill within this domain. Or were you kind of trying doing all of them at once and then just one took off or, or how did that all work? You know, there was always like this internal debate or struggle going on looking back. 
I should have just listened to my heart. You know, I really do tune into my heart, but sometimes my head sneaks in (laughs) (laughs) and it has a good kind of hold on things. So I think what was going on was there was, yeah, kind of a little pull in this direction, pull in this direction because the dragon spirit, I was like, well, how much more in tune with my heart can I be than that? Right. And the reflexology, same thing too. I would have that affinity with the healing and helping people, but it seemed to kind of stall a bit here and there. So I wasn't quite sure why that was going on. And then of course the internet uh, coaching and uh, website help, that was purely from my head. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, cause to me it was like, okay, practically speaking, helping people with their businesses makes more sense. Right. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while of, kind of I'd say the push pull was more with the internet stuff and the dragon spirit and reflexology kind of one end and the internet being on the other like if you look at it like a scale and there was kind of, or a seesaw and they were kind of going up and down but every time I tuned into my heart I'm like how do I feel about you know, coaching people on their businesses. And I came up with lots of good heart reasons why to do that, you know, like, oh, I can help so many more people make a difference because I know so much about the internet. I can help these women who are struggling to grow their web presence to actually, you know, do that. And they can then help so many people. But when I really tuned into my own heart, it's like, eh, I, I just don't feel the same excitement that I do. So a lot of it is really tuning into your feelings, like how do you feel about something? Even if it doesn't really make logical sense, you just trust that feeling. So I trusted the feeling and that's when the website thing started to fall away. And with the dragon spirit and the reflexology combining, it was really, I guess I would say that was guidance from my uh, dragon spirit or my you know, inner voice. It was like, I remember I was practicing Chinese reflexology on clients and I was also doing calls with people. So like dragon spirit sessions is what I called them, where we tune in to like my higher guidance and I'd be able to help other people hear their own inner guidance so that they could get the answers to the messages they were seeking. And at the time I was primarily focused on helping people find their own life purpose. And what was interesting though, was during those sessions, these dragon spirit sessions, yes, people would be uncovering their life purpose, even if it had been eluding them for decades, but they were also getting insights into things about their health and well-being. (laughs) And I was like, hmm, interesting. And then in the reflexology, the reflexology is so powerful for energy healing and helping the body to rebalance itself. And so when the body is back in harmony, it's able to Uh, heal itself much better and much more quickly. But then uh, while I was with one client, I remember kind of hearing that inner voice saying, why don't you try adding dragon spirit to the reflexology sessions? I'm like, okay, I don't really know how to do this. And that's the thing about following Uh your heart. You often do not know how. I don't know how. There's no clear-cut path for you to follow. You just jump and figure it out. That's the best way to get out of your head. So that's basically what I did. I started introducing it to one client. I said, hey, do you want to kind of tune in to what might be the emotional roots of what's going on? And uh, it was, like, incredible and really, really powerful. I found that when people 
were able to see what was behind, um, you know, say childhood hurts or, you know, past relationships, things that they held inside their body, when they were able to shine a light on that and able to let go of it, I noticed an immediate improvement in them. So with Chinese reflexology, you can basically see what's going on in someone's energy. So you don't need to see auras or, you know, tune into feeling. You basically press on points on the feet and how sensitive they are. That's a reflection of whether there's an energy disharmony going on in the corresponding area of the body. So if somebody rated a point like, say, 10 on a sensitivity scale, like 10 out of 10 being really sensitive, then that would mean that there's probably a pretty serious energy disharmony going on. And it may even be something that's going on at the physical level. Say, for example, um, say someone had very bad asthma. Uh, if you pressed on their lung point, they would probably have a very sensitive lung point. Um, as opposed to, say let's say somebody had a cold and they were getting to the end of their cold, but they still had a bit of it, then their point might feel like a, a five. And somebody was like super healthy and had no lung issues, they might not feel anything at all. They might rate it like a zero or a one. So what I would see, and also as the energy comes back into balance and as the physical body heals, these sensitivity ratings will go down and it usually takes several weeks and I'm using a Chinese reflexology stick. So that's way more intense stimulation. Um, and then people would start to see a reduction in these sensitivity levels indicating that the energy is coming back into balance with the releasing of the emotions that they held inside. So any negative emotions, maybe it's guilt or, or sadness or fear or, uh, you know, people even have hatred, say any, this happens a lot, like you don't even realize, like, you put down your own body often, right? And so when I say hatred, it maybe is a little bit strong, but sometimes people go, you know, I, I hate the way my, you know, butt looks in these jeans, or I, I hate this and that, or I hate getting my period. So there is that strong emotion that oftentimes we don't pay attention to. So what I found was when people let go of this stuff, the sensitivity levels went down dramatically, like a lot faster than they would if it was they were just getting reflexology done or if they were practicing reflexology on themselves. And yeah, same thing with my... Were they my... relating like when you were working on the point? Were, were the memories coming to them or emotions around certain no, things? What I would do is I would, after the reflexology session, would uh, go into the dragon spirit space. So that's what I call that connection with your higher guidance. And then we would uncover what was going on. But the points would, the sensitive points would be like clues as to where to look. Oh. So then we would often go into that. But I would also allow just whatever to come up, like not to direct that space too much, the dragon spirit space, because you have to trust that your soul and that the other person's soul is going to provide the messages and the right information and the right thing to look at at that time. And it would always be that way. So sometimes, you know, I'd be working with someone and maybe they had like, you know, I don't know, like a really sensitive shoulder point. But then when it came time to go into the dragon spirit space, I'd be holding their feet and tuning into their energy. And then I might within myself feel like a tightness in my stomach. And then that would be where we would explore. So it's something that, yeah, it was really powerful to do in person, but it's also something I can tune into people's energy without actually uh, 
being there physically with them. So I've had students in my online program where we do like a dragon spirit session after the say six week program or the six month program and then, or during the program and be able to tune into some of the roots of health issues. So it's amazing uh, things that come up for people, like what the tie-in is from an emotional level. So if we have time, I could give an example. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, this is actually in my book, Soul Guidance, where I talked about one of my students who she had this chronic pain in her back, and she'd had it for years, like at least over 10 years. And it had started when she was uh, in her 20s and she was working at a factory and she had this repetitive strain kind of going on in her shoulder. But the other thing that was going on at the time was that uh, the woman who worked at the factory, they had this really deep friendship and they would go out together. So there was a lot of camaraderie, you know, like having a really close set of girlfriends at work. And what came up in her dragon spirit session was that now that she was a mom and uh, she had a family that kept her busy, she had prioritized her family over herself and she didn't have that same sense of, you know, girlfriend time and close friendships that she used to have before. So having that pain in her back was really giving her the benefit of holding on to those good times when she was working at the factory. So what came up then was she needed to focus on giving that benefit of having those close relationships, like rebuilding those relationships so that she had that sense of connection of a female bonding time again in her life. And so she began to work on that. And about a month later, I heard from her and she was telling me that her back was feeling better than it had, you know, in years, like she had had that back pain for so long that she never even thought that it could get better. She mm -hmm. considered it like background noise. But when we uncovered what was going on at the emotional energy route, then she was able to address it. And then the body no longer needs to hold on to the stuff like physically. So anything that goes on in the body is really like a message saying, hey, here's something you need to look at in your life. Yeah. And all yeah. too often, people can't put those two things together, right? Uh, the origin or the fact that those physical ailments would have an emotional or mental or be a result of trauma or that our soul is trying to tell us something rather than, oh, it's just hurting. What can I do to numb the pain? Oh, what over-the-counter drug can I yeah. take or, or yeah. whatever, whatever, you know, maybe if I have a bowl of ice cream now, that will help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, so for me, you know, I had to have my body talk to me and I was really stubborn because I was so in my head. My body had to clobber me before I finally listened. So what finally made me walk away from my job was when I was having problems with my vision because I'd sit there every day looking at my computer thinking, I can't stand what I'm looking at. So for me, working in high tech wasn't my passion and I knew it and I knew it for years, but I still made myself stay there. And I was experiencing ocular migraines, which is, it's not like a painful headache. What it is, it's like, um, you know, when a camera takes a picture with a flash and then your eyes kind of twinkle sort of, you can't see clearly. Yeah. That would strike me and it would last for like half an hour. And then I'd have the exhaustion afterwards. Like I couldn't see, I couldn't look at the computer. And my eye doctor basically told me the triggers are 
bright sunlight, computers, and fluorescent lighting. And all they can do is just avoid the triggers. And I'm like, wait a sec, that's my whole life. I work on computers in this fluorescent lit office in Silicon Valley, California, right? And then I was, he also diagnosed that I had early stage macular degeneration, which is uh, basically a degenerative disease that's considered incurable where you lose the central focus of your vision over time. And usually people get this when they're, you know, older, like in their 60s. And I was in my mid 30s when it was happening. So that was a serious wake up call for me. And that's what finally caused me to leave my job working in high tech and to look for something else. And in doing so, you know, with the tuning in, listening to my heart and practicing the reflexology and following my passions, that's what then led me to completely heal my eyes. Like I don't have ocular migraines anymore. And um, when I went to the eye doctor and asked him to, I went to a different one actually, because I wanted to heal my vision too. So the current eye doctor I was seeing was uh, kind of stuck in more traditional views of eyesight so that you can't heal nearsightedness and that uh, macular degeneration is basically just chronic and incurable and you just monitor it and hope it doesn't get worse. So I went to see a more uh, open-minded eye doctor and I told him about the diagnosis and I asked him to, you know, really check my eyes. And he did. He did a complete thorough check. And he said, there is no sign of this early stage macular degeneration. And by the way, your eyeglass prescriptions reduced too. So I was like, yay, right? So it, it has really been an incredible journey because the improvement in my eyesight too is actually corresponding with the following my heart and listening to my inner guidance, listening to my dragon spirit and all of that has all been in the past five years. So if we're talking about looking back, like what has happened in five years? Well, I eventually stopped doing the website coaching business. I took the dragon spirit and started to interweave that with the Chinese reflexology. So not just teach Chinese reflexology, but to address the um, mental and emotional roots behind illness. And then what happened was my website just started growing and growing and growing. And I had like a newsletter that I started out. And I think in the first year, maybe I had a hundred subscribers to the newsletter and a whole bunch of them were friends and family. Right. And now I think, uh, it's probably over 13,000 subscribers and there's hundreds of people joining each month. And my website has had millions of page views in that time. And I've turned it into like an online business. So a way for me to follow my passion and also earn a living so that I don't have to go back to work in high tech. And um, my book just came out. So it came out about a month ago and it's published by Hay House, which was on my bucket list. I have it from years ago. I wrote down that I wanted to be a Hay House author and now I am. So it's all very exciting. Absolutely exciting. I, I want to talk about that, Holly, the process of that, of becoming a Hay House author. I mean, it's an honor. Not many people get to uh, to that level, um, especially as a first time. Well, you're not really a first time author. I know you self-published books before, but um Obviously, you know, it's it's something a lot of people would aspire to. And 
just knowing what I know about you and just being a really incredible manifester, tell our audience more about how that all came about for you. Sure. Uh, I will talk about the default answer, which is follow your heart. (laughs) But I'll get into more specifics. So Hay House offers this writer's workshop where they teach you what it takes in order to become a published author or to self-publish your book. And I remember seeing it many, many years ago, seeing an email about it and going, oh, look at this. For everyone who participates in the workshop, you're in, they're invited to submit a book proposal. And from all those book proposals, they select a winner and that person gets a contract with Hay House to become a Hay House author. And I remember seeing that going, hmm, there's my easy way to become a Hay House author. So I heard that inner voice say that. And we often think, oh, you know, the way to become an author, I have to get an agent, I have to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then but, there's all these voices about it's impossible to get a book deal and, you know, how many rejections yeah. you get and, and that sort of thing, like about what an impossible thing it is to get published <laughs> is so out there, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I think if people really listen to their inner guidance, they'll realize that a lot of opportunities present themselves to you. And then it's, do you follow up on the opportunity or do you go, oh, that's cool. And then you just kind of set it aside in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the other key differences is that for me, when opportunity presents itself, no matter what excuses my mind comes up with, I follow the opportunities. So I didn't follow it right away. So luckily the universe just kept sending it to me. But what happened was there was this one time, I remember it was like a January or February of, uh, I forget the exact year, maybe it was about two years ago, where I got the email again about this writer's workshop. And lo and behold, they were holding it in San Francisco, which isn't that far from where I live. And I remember thinking, oh, well, like I did with the previous emails, maybe I'll just file this away because I don't think I'm ready yet. I don't think Mm. I'm ready yet. Emphasis on the word think. Meanwhile, my heart's going, oh my God, oh my God, it's in San Francisco, it's so close. And I also was afraid, like scared, like, oh my God, is it, I don't know if I'm ready yet. So whenever you find like an opportunity pops up and you're afraid and you come up with excuses, use the fear as a guide. So I always use (laughs) afraid. It means go do it instead of, yeah. Instead of run the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I've always forced, yeah. I always force myself when I feel fear I make myself go do the thing I'm afraid of. And I think that has also worked out really well for me. So when I'm afraid, I go do it. So I was like, okay, I'm afraid. I That means I need to sign up this year. Mm. And then your mind manufactures all sorts of roadblocks. So I almost didn't sign up. I thought I had signed up, but I forgot that I hadn't signed up. But luckily, universe will come help you when you're on your path, okay? So... <laughs> I had joined this Facebook group of uh, people who were going to be at that workshop and somebody posted, oh, did you get your welcome package? I'm like, welcome package? What the heck is that? (laughs) I didn't get a welcome package. And so I looked through all my emails. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't sign up. So I had to sign up for it. And then of course I missed the early bird deadline. So I have to pay an extra hundred dollars. So I want to do this. And then my heart's like, look, you're going to win the 
you know, the whole purpose is to go win that book contract and there's like a $10,000 prize. So when you win that prize, that extra hundred dollars isn't going to mean anything. So I was like, okay, sign up. And then I showed up and the whole time there's this dialogue going between, you know, personal fears and insecurities and also my heart going, you're going to win this. You're going to win this. You're going to win this. So things I would be like talking with people and I've got, Oh, that guy has a hundred thousand people in his audience. For sure he's going to win over me. He's got way more people. They're gonna pick the guy who's got more people or yeah, platform, right? Yeah, yeah, a larger platform. Because mm-hmm. it that does matter for um getting published. So another tip is to just have anything online yet, just start a blog and start writing. So I find over time, the more you write, guess what? The better a writer you become. Mm-hmm. So I think there's people who think that, okay, I'm doing my main business, uh, whether it be some sort of coaching or healing work, and then they don't actually write about it on their website because they're not that comfortable with, say, maybe sharing what they've written or they have feel self-conscious about how they write, yet they still know inside that they really want to put out a book so the way to get there is, yeah, you're feeling scared about writing, start writing. And it's okay if nobody reads it at first. If you, As you write and the more you write, the better you'll become and the more people will be drawn to you and your writing. So, um, yeah, but I had all those doubts even though I'd been writing for a number of years on my website and I'd meet people who they just wrote. Oh, that's all they did was write and they were much more eloquent than me. I win against them. And then that inner voice come, pipes up again. So you have to really trust your heart. If you have that feeling that you're going to have put out a book or that you're going to be a Hay House author, just trust that feeling. And when you have those doubts, you ignore them or you do your best to distract yourself. So what I did was I remembered, you know what? I'm not going to win the contract because everybody else is crappy, you know, so I shouldn't be focusing on that or thinking about how I'm better than that person. So it's not about comparing yourself to other people. It's just focusing on, you know what, if I'm going to win, it's because I'm going to, you know, tune into my heart and put forth something that's really amazing and brilliant. And the energy from that is going to be enough to shine through and make the whole endeavor a success. And so that's basically what I did. But again, I went through struggles. And so the key is don't let the struggles stop you. Just know that, okay, this is my mind kind of playing tricks on me. It's like afraid of the change. So it's just trying to keep things the same. So even when I was preparing my book proposal, I ran into a bunch of roadblocks where I couldn't seem to write it because it reminded me of having a deadline in high school and having to, you know, submit an essay or something. And in school, I used to just coast, uh, like in high school and in university where I just do just good enough to get myself like an A, but I wasn't really interested in the subjects that I was taking. So even back then I wasn't listening to my heart. So, you know, nobody really cares about you know, supply and demand economics. Although I won't say nobody, I'm sure somebody that they're passionate about it, but I'd say most people who are doing that aren't really like their heart is not calling them to do that. But I'm sure there are people who, where it is, but for me, it wasn't. And 
So when I was working on my book proposal, I want to interrupt uh just for a second here because I I did the supply and demand economics at first year university, and my daughter is going to journalism and she's going to be taking the you know the macroeconomics right. I, Mm -hmm. I just have to say, yeah, sure. Maybe our hearts aren't in it. You know, I know for me, it was a required part of my program. For her, it's kind of, uh, you know, one of the core electives that, you know, that she has to decide from. And that's kind of the, 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 the most interesting out of a bunch that are not that interesting for her. So I just want to remark on that particular point, and And this is what I say to her as well, is that sometimes those uninteresting things are the precursor or the base to the more interesting things. Like for me, you know, as I study more advanced level economics in school, what ended up happening for me is in my work after I graduated from university, that if I hadn't done that basic thing, which is the precursor to those more complex things, then I wouldn't have the understanding that I did in my job with the global economy. So Mm -hmm. things don't always light you on fire, um, but maybe you can comment on like, do you believe that even though some things don't let you on fire and that they're a part of your path, that they do serve a purpose? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I always thank myself multiple times that I stayed and worked in the internet industry for as long as I did because having that knowledge of how the internet works and how to put up a website and how to structure a website has been invaluable to me in helping me build my platform and get my message out and reach as many people as possible to share Chinese reflexology with them. So even though if somebody is doing something right now and they think it's boring and it's not what they want to do with their lives, it is still useful and it's something you might not realize is useful right now. But when you start to follow your path and you don't have to like quit your job and then, you know, sit on a mountain or whatever. It can happen in stages, just as long as you don't hold yourself back. So whenever the opportunity presents itself, you just follow it. So I could have been working a full-time job and still attended like a Hay House writer's workshop. So that's just an example. So there's always, you could have a full-time job and you could start writing a blog. So there's ways to transition and then you don't have to worry about how you make, you know, that final jump. The opportunities will present themselves to you. So for me, it was just a matter of just continuing to follow my heart and then I think I reached a point where I needed to just get serious and focused. And that was just before my son was going to start kindergarten. So it may be an outside event that precipitates this for people. So for me, it was, okay, he's going back to school and my son's gifted. So I wanted to make sure that we had the abundance necessary in order to support him. So we needed to move to a different school district where it would be more challenging for him in school and also to find programs and enrichment activities that could help keep him motivated and interested. So I would, you know, for my son, I would be willing to do anything which would include going to work in high tech again. Since I had learned so much more about myself by tuning into my inner guidance, I knew that I could find a way to still be in balance and work in high tech. So it's not so much the exterior circumstances. It's like you learn to find that balance within yourself and then you can 
you know, let that flow into what you do? Would it have been the most, you know, highly aligned way with my soul to follow my path? Probably not. Would it have, you know, stopped me from eventually going back to healing? Probably not. But that at that point I had to, so I either had to make the Chinese reflexology work (laughs) or go to high tech. And I thought, you know what, let's just go all in. I just had that feeling I'm going to go all in with the Chinese reflexology. And let me, instead of this being like a part-time hobby blog, let me see if there's a way for me to share this with as many people as possible and still be able to, you know, attract abundance with it. And yeah, it worked out. So long story short, it, it worked out. And am I, you know, have, did I replace the high tech income? No, I did not at this point, but I see the trajectory. And that's one thing I want to emphasize too to people is oftentimes you think, okay, I need to hit this amount of money and, and then I'll be successful, but it's all a journey and go with what feels right. So I could accelerate the way that I grow my business, but it doesn't feel in alignment with how I live my life or how I want to live my life. You know, I want to have fun. I want to explore. I want to be a good mom. I want to have time for myself. And so that is exactly how I grow my website. And that's my primary focus because you've got to remember too, when you're following your path and you want to create a business out of it, the end goal is that you want to be happy, right? Mm -hmm you want to enjoy your life. So you can't create a business in ways that are not in alignment with your end goal, because then you're not going to get to your end goal. Whereas if you actually start following your path with the end goal right there, then whatever happens, you are not so stressed out about it because you're already happy and you're following your joy and you're making a difference and the rate it grows if you don't worry about it from your mind, it will grow at exactly the right pace that it needs. It's not like, you know, that super, you hear people online going, Oh, I went from zero bankrupt to making six figures in six months. Yeah. And they leave. The overnight success. Yeah. The overnight success. I'm so sure they're leaving out like the five years prior to that Mm -hmm. because I could take a slice of my business and go, Oh, gosh, I had, you know, a five figure month and it only happened in six weeks or whatever, but it leaves out the five years of building my website, the, but the five years of raising my son, being a full-time mom, the five years of enjoying my life. And I'm okay with that. So it's being okay with that because I was, I was like happy and I'm still happy and I'm okay that I don't have that super bell curve, but I have that feeling, that trust in my heart that there will be a point where there's some crazy astronomical growth, but I'm growing into that. And it's okay to be growing into that because it's all about the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That's, that's wonderful. Wonderful realization. And uh, it almost feels like an end point, but <laughs> I don't want it to be the end. Um, I, as you were talking, I, um, you know, you're talking about end goals and being alignment with your end goals and, and following your heart. And for some people, like for you, because you've had so much practice at it, it's second nature. But for those that have kind of been at war with themselves in terms of their head and their heart, now what is, what is my head? What is my heart? How do I discern which is which? 
Uh, is this my ego talking? Is this uh, something else underneath? You know, this discernment, like trying to get really clear on, you know, what the higher guidance is or what might be fear motivated. There's like sort of a sorting process. But I know for you, the, you know, because of practice, it's gotten clearer and clearer. But what could you say to people that are in that state of confusion about, is this the guidance that I'm getting? Or is it just my mind making something up? Or if, is there a process involved? You know, is there a way that you can get into a space that you can have those answers? What do you suggest? Actually, I have a bunch of suggestions. <laughs> I'm glad you <laughs> asked that. That's actually a really good way to uh, end out our discussion today. Okay, so first, before I forget, there's that head-to-heart exercise. So you're going to include a link. Yes. So if people do that, it's a good way to kind of choose between decisions, like should I do A, B, or C? If you do head-to-heart, you can figure it out in five minutes, and it will be your heart telling you the answer. Yeah, I'll include a link right beside the download of this interview. So you can listen to that. (laughs) But the other thing I want to talk about is the difference between head and heart. So if you tune into how you're feeling, it gives you really good clues. So when your head is talking and telling you you should do something, if you kind of feel into your energy levels, you feel into your emotions, if you feel kind of draggy and not super excited, that's probably your head, okay? Mm -hmm. Or if it makes you feel bad. Whereas with the heart, even when you feel the fear, there's this uh, kind of nervous excitement. People often say that fear and, and excitement can almost feel the same. So when there's your heart, you don't have the feeling like you feel bad about yourself. So if something comes to you like, oh, here's an opportunity, you kind of get excited. And then the bad feeling comes when your mind starts stepping in saying, no, you're, you're not good enough to do this, right? So you feel the excitement and then the head kicks in. So you got to pay attention to when you're feeling that excitement. And then whenever I'm talking with someone about this and ask them about, you know, do you get any intuitive hits or did you ever have a feeling about that? And they always say yes. So people already know, but then after they know, that's when the head kicks in and comes up with a whole bunch of uh, noise, basically. Mm -hmm. So you got to trust that initial feeling. And then the other thing, too, is like you talk about how much practice I have at this. It makes me seem like, you know, this natural heart listener or whatever. (laughs) I need to emphasize that. This has just been in the past few years. So yes, I've been practicing for the past five years. But prior to that, I would have been one of the most in my head type of people that I knew. Like I did everything from my head, you know, from deciding what classes to pick in high school, what university to enroll in, what job to take. And The thing is, is that everybody has that intuitive sense and you may find there's a bit of like what I experienced, that push-pull, that kind of struggle between the two. And the thing that breaks you out of the struggle is to just do what the heart is telling you to do and begging you to do and asking you to do. You can't think your way into following your heart. You have to just go, okay, I'm kind of getting a feeling this, even though it makes no sense, I'm just going to do it. And the more you just follow that, the easier it becomes to hear your heart. So I will 
like when I started out, I would kind of get some ideas and go, okay, that's a bit weird, but I'll just follow it. And then the more I did that, it becomes easier then to know which is your heart speaking or which is your head speaking. And so now it's to the point where the heart can speak in a really gentle way. It usually does do that for most people. But instead of discounting it, okay, that was my heart. And even though it was a very quiet voice, this is the one I need to pay attention to. And so it's something that you will develop. Like if I could go from being this total analytical person to someone who totally follows my heart, even when it makes no logical sense, then anyone listening can too. And one final thing I'd like to add too is that when you follow your heart, your physical body thrives. There is such a direct correlation between like the amount of joy that you have in your life from following your heart and following your purpose and your passion and the health of your physical body because your body, you know, underlying that physicality is the flow of energy, the flow of chi. So in Chinese medicine, chi is those the energy meridians in your body and the chi flows through the energy meridians. Like chi is flowing smoothly. That's when your body is in balance. And so when you're following your passion, you notice when you do something you love, you just have so much energy and that that's you rejuvenating your body and your health and your vitality by listening to your heart. Right. And otherwise things show up that will tell you that you're not on track, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then, then it gets a little bit more tricky to try to unwind all that, right? If you if you haven't been and that's been sort of something that uh, then your body says, okay, stop now because we have to reevaluate and, and maybe make some different decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, when you do have those, I call them like, you know, signposts from your body or messages from your body, you reevaluate, and then whatever answer comes up, you just start moving in that direction. The body doesn't need the whole thing rectified immediately. So I didn't need to uh, completely be author and teacher in order for my eyesight to heal. I just needed to start on that path because when the body knows you're listening, then it knows that it doesn't need to keep sending the message to you in the same way. So then it can start to let go of that negative energy held inside. And then it's really just you let go of the negative energy and your body naturally wants to return to balance. So the chi flowing through your body naturally wants to return to balance. So you don't have to worry about, you know, making it go the right way. You just have to kind of get into the flow of letting go of the things that are stopping things from flowing and then the things will naturally flow right because we put so much pressure on ourselves to finding these solutions right and for things to happen overnight you know because we think that that's the paradigm that people do find success overnight and if we're not doing it then we somehow got it wrong if we don't see you know 100 percent where we're going to be five years from now that you know that we can't move right so <laughs> there's the beauty in what you're saying is you know that it's really a moment by moment thing that you can ask yourself and check in and just take whatever steps yeah. there right yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then as you were speaking, I was getting uh, my intuition, my dragon spirit saying something that I wanted to share, which is that for everyone listening, already just listening to this talk, this is your starting point, your pivot point. So that imagine yourself, like if I could do this in five years, 
you can too. So imagine where you could be five years from now. And that's, that's it. Amen. Thanks so much, Holly. It's been really great being with you here again. I hope that everybody that's listening has uh, been able to tune into themselves and find that pivot point that Holly's talking about and really make use of this conversation in your life. Thanks so much for listening in to this episode of Leaders Call to Adventure. For show notes, you can go to my website, which is leaderscalltoadventure.com forward slash five, and that's number five. And there I include links to Holly's information, including her website, her book, and an audio that she provided to lead us from our head to our heart. You might want to check that out if you're facing an important decision or just kind of want some clarity on next steps. Do send me an email. Let me know how that goes for you. You can reach me at laurie at leaderscalltoadventure.com. Also, I really appreciate any feedback or comments you might have and your help in getting the word out about the podcast. You can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, like the Facebook page, or just tell somebody about it. Thanks again, and until next time. Thank you.